It's oh, <laughs> it's got a little warning. Okay, um, I'm here with Michaela Slinger. Uh, whose brand new album Panorama is out now. You can check it out wherever you can listen to music. Uh, recently signed to 604 Records. Um, yeah, the album is great. It's like a blissfully dynamic um, sort of exercise in various pop styles, but it still has kind of a through thread of self, which is very difficult to do. And I'm, I'm rather impressed. Oh my God, blissfully dynamic pop styles that's like you know if i could boil it down to what i i hoped i could achieve as a musician it would be that so thank you that's a big compliment <laughs> yeah so i the the hooks in particular i found very strong so that what i wanted to know is is what what when you listen to music what do you look for in like a, a good like good songwriting not necessarily a good song but good songwriting you know oh yeah it's funny, I was just chatting with somebody I was writing with today, and I think I really appreciate the pop format. Like I appreciate kind of going and knowing, you know, I'm a I'm a pop-informed writer, but then what I really like is when people do little things to kind of flip structure on its head or keep the listener engaged, even if it's, you know, between the two pre-choruses, if there's a line in there that kind of sounds the same, but actually is a different message, or if you do something different with the melody in verse two than you do in verse one and invert it again, I just like, I like those little, they're kind of like little pieces of treasure, you know, for the listener to find um, and keep the listener engaged throughout, even though it's only three minutes and 30 seconds, typically around that, that time frame. but there's so much you can pack in. Yeah. Cause I find, you know, you, the wor the worst songwriting is it's a minute and a half long song stretched out to three minutes, right? Where it's yes, control D duplicate. Um, mm -hmm. I noticed on it was the song long love you is has an incredible structure and in that the end of the song is suddenly like whoa there's something else here completely yeah um that one it's so funny because i know i was just talking a lot about structure but i didn't when i was working with my producers i was kind of like is it are we ending on the bridge or is that actually just the chorus but there's only one chorus and the whole song is sort of building its way up to the chorus until then i don't know you probably have like studied song structure more than i have it as it sounds <laughs> by your great no, just insights <laughs> but but yeah you know that one it i i don't try to be super limiting you like if a song kind of comes out and it's a certain sort of way and it doesn't fit into a traditional structure i'll sort of play around with it and i'm always open to taking it to a producer who's like hmm, move this here move this there but with that song long love it just like it works so well that you only get that really grandiose chorus the one time it's a it's a big crescendo or whatever you know yeah, tons of stacked vocals. Yeah, there's lots of stacked vocals on the record, which which I really quite like. There are. Well, you're uh, you're on top of a couple like records of some iconic older bands. Like I have my laptop stacked on my records. You know, like Crosby, Stills and Nash. There's ABBA. When people are like, "Oh, I hear an ABBA moment in this," I'm like, "All right, my life's done." Yeah. <laughs> I heard some ABBA moments for sure. Um, Ooh. Especially on the hooks those big stacked chorus, you know, vocals. It's so good. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering, uh, you have these interludes with what I have gathered are your grandparents on both, both sides. What gave it away? Was it the very contemporary names of Ted, Phyllis, Bill and Carol? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's not a lot of, uh, Phyllis's without kids at this point. Right. Very true. Um, but uh, yeah, how did how did they react to that? Because it's a very it's a very generous thing to do to on your debut album, you know, be like, all right, yeah, I'm giving moment to every single one of my grandparents. 
Yeah, you know, I, I had the idea to include them on the album. I'm, I'm certainly not the first person to do that. I think like SZA comes to mind and I think like Frank Ocean has Frank little Ocean. voice memos yeah, on that's, that's what it yeah, reminded like, me of. Yeah, yeah. And so I didn't necessarily, I mean, I went into it asking them if they'd be okay if it was on my album, but it ended up just being more of like an interview conversation. It was during quarantine last year and I really wanted to just capture kind of a big life conversation on tape with my grandparents anyway because they've been so formative for me and all four of them are still you know alive and kicking it and and very with it so I have 45 minutes with each set uh just like on a hard drive now which is really special but as you hear in the album they gave me so many pieces of gold in terms of just like wisdom and thinking about life and death and moving on so um it was kind of a no-brainer for me at the end I was like they've got to go on yeah and I found too it brought like a stronger sort of thematic resonance as a like whole listen, right? Yeah, thanks. I mean, this album, because like I've been doing music forever, but this is the first thing I've put out and I kind of started pursuing music seriously a little bit, I guess, later compared to a lot of people who start when they're still teens. Like I was kind of trying to just capture everything from childhood to adolescence to early adulthood into everything. So I was like, how could this not be anchored? you know, by people who have literally known me that entire period of my life. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, number three, the the one where they talk about the long sleep. That one's quite uh, potent, I thought. My my papa. Yeah, I think that's a favorite from everybody, the long sleep. Um, so I'm wondering, since your record was, was it, you, you started it before COVID hit and then uh, finished it sort of through various moments especially like if you're in bc it's like it's been kind of on and off and and weird like that um like what how did the importance of sort of environment change uh the way you approach songwriting over the last year and a half because i'm sure that you Mm. you know you were in the big studio and then you were back at home and so on and so forth right yeah well the interesting thing timing wise for me was like i was working on the record from sort of like october 2019 to march 2020 And I actually finished, like the last thing we had to track in the studio at 604, I finished the week before COVID. So I went from, you know, getting signed and I'd start to play live shows and I I was having all of this really exciting music energy and then COVID hit. So I had an album that was finished, but it wasn't mixed. It wasn't mastered and there's kind of no marketing plan yet. So my experience of mixing has been like entirely virtual. Um, I've never had to mix songs before, like give notes. I mean, I didn't mix them. So that was kind of interesting. And, and what I found as a writer, because some of these songs are very old now, and I typically write all the time, like just little ideas on voice notes, voice memos. Um, and for the first couple months of the pandemic, I was not inspired to write at all because like, you know, me being outside in the world, whatever sensory imagery I'm getting or interactions, they kind of permeate. And that's what forms the foundation for me of inspiration. So not having any of that and just being in this living room like I've been for the past year it it wasn't all that uh inspiring so I think we were all in our own ways in survival mode but I kind of came out of that around my birthday last year which was in May and and started writing again cool um so you I know that you you did have a musical background in musical theater that's that's correct right that is correct um I just want to know which which musicals did you do oh so many Let's see some highlights. Um, I was in Beauty and the Beast. I really wanted to be Lumiere, but unfortunately I was pretty young. So I got cast as Le Fou, which is like the little French sidekick to Gaston. You know, he's just supposed to be this like ugly, yeah. stupid sidekick. So um, 
that was one. But I, I was uh, in The Wizard of Oz. I got to play Annie twice, which was like a pretty fun and exciting role. And then, I mean, there's a story for later if we want to go into it, but I also played Peter Pan. And uh, I had an incident because we actually flew. Like we hired a US company to come so we could fly on harnesses and like fly over the audience. And yeah. unfortunately I had an experience in front of my whole middle school. They came to watch a show where I got flown into a set piece and was dangling from the wire, bleeding. Oh man. You know what? I still kept doing musical theater after that. So. <laughs> it means you really love it, I guess. I guess I did. Was, was there any like, like legal ramifications or was it just a big brouhaha? <laughs> Can you imagine I'm 11? I'm like, I'm calling my lawyer. No, yeah. my mom was probably like, my mom was, you know, a volunteer stage manager. And I came off stage and was like, no, I'm terrified of this. And it was kind of horrible. And she was like, yeah, fair enough. But also you got to go back out. So, you know, wiped off the, the blood on my arms and carried on to Neverland as you do. I, will there be no harnesses when you eventually get to go on, on uh, tour then? You know what? Since then, I have experienced, like, I have gone ziplining. I've been in a harness. It's been okay. There are no, like, horrible flashbacks where I feel like Wendy is gonna, you know, like, come <laughs> yeah. fly by me. So, like, the, the worst of that is over, luckily. Sweet. Um, I always wonder, you know, I'm like, we're both in the Pacific Northwest. Um, if, you, if you had to identify the Pacific Northwest as uh, sort of, like, an artistic... Uh, influence like how how would you quantify it what how would you define the Ooh. pacific northwest because you know i get different answers from people about that all the time people it's, it's just this thing you know it's this uh strange beast that influences people in different ways it is that's such a good question and i mean i think initially before i really started like getting to know people in the music scene i kind of thought that like the pnw vibe was a lot of you know dudes and like indie bands indie rock bands and i mean obviously that's super limiting and really excludes the fact that like we have so much cool stuff happening in hip-hop right now in vancouver there's like so many artists i'm really excited about we have um i don't know like there's a lot of at least at 604 this sort of indie pop pop adjacent uh kind of artistry that i'm really into i think is kind of cropping up maybe that's also just a product of the times and uh different trends that are happening in the pop world but I think for me, like, some, I kind of resisted the PNW in a bit, like in my imagery and, and not wanting to sound like I didn't want people to listen and be like, oh, she sounds like she's in Vancouver, which to me, I guess, would evoke sort of like more folky uh, imagery or just like singing about the, the landscape or like having a mountain in every photo. And there's there's totally a place for that. It's just for the music I was trying to make, I wanted it to feel maybe a little placeless or like you could listen to it anywhere and it felt like it could fit your vibe if you were in a bigger city or in a, a different country. But obviously at the same time, like being here, the expansiveness and just the like range and the, the stacked vocals that kind of just like, yeah, euphoric kind of like wide sound that I'm trying to chase. That I think is how the, the landscape and being here informs me because when you're out on a bike ride or out on a walk, just like, you know, coming through a clearing and seeing like Pacific Ocean everywhere you look, there is something that makes you feel really small in a good way. Yeah. You know, you want to channel that like big energy that the landscape gives you. Yeah, it, it is a very uh, 
I don't know, like internationally friendly record for sure. I, I like when I listened to it, I was I didn't immediately go, oh, this is some Canadian CanCon, whatever, you know. <laughs> Which I'm sure. Good, <laughs> although you know we love CanCon. Yes, love so CanCon Can Con. is very, it's very, very good uh, for Canadian artists. Um, uh, but yeah, so I guess the only song that I thought was Pacific Northwest you was uh, my favorite song in the album, which was Swim Back to You. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thank I you. Think that one's a, that one's, that's a great tune. It's just a great tune. Um, Thanks so much. I, I wrote down that uh, it, it, it struck me as like you, that you're well read, that you're a reader from, from that song in particular. It's very literary, um, lyrically, very like, I could you know i could just see it it's it doesn't have this it's not very conventional lyrically at all um yeah so so like what's your experience with with writing and, and reading and such i'm curious what your background is in that yeah well thank you and it's just like it's really nice to speak with someone who's really done a deep dive into the music and i really love some back to you as well the funny thing about that sounding a little pnw is that i actually wrote that song when i was in toronto um Maybe but i was but I was missing home. So that's super interesting that that kind of came through for you. But in terms of, you know, literary influences, I, you know, I got in trouble growing up because I try to read at the dinner table. So I always had my head in a book. I loved fiction. And then I think this is the story for many people who kind of go on to post-secondary, but I sort of lost that love and reading became less recreational and more purpose-driven. Like I had to read certain things and none of it was fiction. Um, and in the past couple of years, I've definitely picked it back up around the time that I was writing the record, I was sort of like reading poetry, like, you know, not diving deep into poetry, but reading poetry on its own for the first time. And honestly, over the past year during the pandemic, I've read more fiction, you know, in like the past year than I have in so long. So I'm definitely bookworming it up right now. And um, I think because of that background, yeah, like I'm a really lyrical writer. I really think it's so boring to say things that have already been said and I kind of like the idea that if you like lifted my lyrics from the song you know you might be able to be like oh that's kind of an interesting poetic stanza you know like that it could stand up on its own even if I wasn't singing it yeah because I, I feel like there is two main approaches to writing um songs and it's it's one is to take something familiar and try to say it in a different way or another way is to treat it as poetry and I think on your record it definitely comes across more as uh like it was it's it's a series of words set to music not musical words do you know what i mean i totally know what you mean and i think that speaks to my my writing process especially for this album which is you know for the majority of the time the way i start a song is i have a voice like i have a note on my phone of like oh this couplet would be interesting to start the song or like i have lyric ideas and i they kind of have a rhythm to them but i'm just sort of saying them into my voice memos on my phone and then from there I'll pick up a guitar, I'll, I'll set up my keyboard and kind of figure out how to set those words to melody. Yeah, uh, I think that's great. Um, I, I'm wondering if, if you have particular uh, themes that you're most attracted to when, when writing. Like... Mm, so much so. And I think I was... Or maybe that you want to tackle in the future. Um... Yeah, I, I think even the stuff I'm writing now and a big theme on Panorama is sort of like passage of time. And I think that you know, this whole concept of prolonged adolescence that people are talking about now where like, you know, we're all staying kind of younger, longer than we ever have before generationally. Like I think in like I, the concept of generations is so interesting to me, especially because there's so many generations in my family that all live here and are alive. 
and well, but I'm kind of in this place where like, I know I'm still young in the grand scheme of life. You know, I'm, I'm 25, but there is definitely a shift that I've noticed in the past few years where I'm like, I'm not, I'm not young, young anymore. And you start to have these sort of pressures and expectations and losses and longings just kind of pile on the older that you get. So I think it's a really just like creatively interesting time to try and capture that in song and I'm still writing songs about that. So I'm obviously not done. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, yeah. I'm also 25. So I'm with you hundred percent. The uh, Oof, like, yeah. is it time to pull my, like pull my bootstraps up or. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, do you, do you think that that's nature or nurture, if you will? Like, like, do you think mm. that that's something that's sort of constructed by pressures economically, family, et cetera? Or do you think that there's like a biological clock ticking? Hmm. That's super interesting. I think both the nature and nurture question I was really like interested in when I was in school. And I think, I think both is probably the best answer for that. I think it's also a product of like, in terms of nurture, it's a product of where you are, you know, because if you are surrounded by a lot of people who graduated and then like got married and got into like full-time jobs and started a family at 21, that would certainly shift your perspective on how divergent you were from that norm. So I feel like where I'm at and in my circle and where I live, like people aren't really doing that, but then also being a mu musician is a, a little bit adjacent to what other people are doing. So it's not, I don't know, it's not super untraditional, but it's also not, I don't know. It's just an age now where when you're 18 and you are saying, Oh, I'm going to pursue music or I want to learn to fly a plane. People are like, isn't that sweet, yeah. you know, but there's something about 25. And when I tell people like, Oh, I'm just starting my, my music career. It's sort of like, Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> What's the other plan? Yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Especially with your career sort of mentality, uh, I think really kicks in now. Like, um, I don't have a career. I'm, I'm volunteering doing this right now, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> God knows what I just want to make enough money to eat and stuff so completely and and I also think like in terms of the, the pressures that our generation has inherited that are sort of new is like for the first time I think we have been told that you sh can and should be able to turn what you love into a very well-paying career whereas my grandparents it was like you find a good job you find a union job you do it my parents it was like there was that thought about passion and that thought about calling and if it aligned great but also I still think they were still kind of you know like every generation it gets more and more a certain way so now here we all are feeling like every moment of our day we need to be in the throes of just like passion for life and you know like oh my my true calling my soul is crying out every work task that I get and it's just like that just kind of sets you up for failure you know if yeah. I if I kind of come out of my day and I'm like 70 percent of that was pretty awesome and I felt pretty engaged like that's a good day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we are in a very like interesting generation in, in that regard. Like there's, but there's, there's a, there's not a lot of money for us to make also. So I don't know. Yeah. Unless you're in a, a couple of sectors, you know, looking back, it's like, geez, maybe I should have learned to code. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> that was one of my pandemic projects that I gave up on very quickly was yeah I gave up on learning to code a couple years ago I was like you know what maybe I should just change it up this will be a great way to support myself in music and I did a learn to code course and I tried to like make a snowman on a thing and I was like yeah. you know what 
I was like, there are eight-year-olds out there right now that are building websites. Like, I'm just way, I'm way too behind to even start. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things, like, I think, like, in a few years, there'll be too many coders or something, or a computer can do it better than anyone else can, so on and so forth, right? So. Yes, exactly. That's at least what I tell myself. Yeah. To make myself feel better. <laughs> um, so, my last question, um, I always ask this, is, is you see any good movies lately? Yeah, I went through a real movie watching phase, I'd say a couple months ago. It sort of ended up coinciding with the Oscars, but I'm not like obsessed with the Oscars as a, a show in any way. But um, Minari was one of my favorites. It was so excellent. Yeah, I, um, I really enjoyed Minari. So yeah. lovely. Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, that was also just really amazing. Some of those group scenes were like incredibly powerful, kind of down that like political movie line. I also thought trial of the chicago seven was excellent especially because i'd watched borat and then i watched that and i was like yeah. <laughs> baron cohen like what who are you how can you do those two things so exquisitely in such a close you know time frame yeah he's a special breed of actor for sure really a special breed i think those are uh those are some of the main ones that come to mind right now cool um yeah any anything you want to plug or any of that yeah, I mean, if you haven't checked out my record yet, it's available everywhere. And I'm really excited to hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, get on the road this fall. That's definitely a big part of my artistry is performing live. And I had only the tiniest taste of it in Vancouver before the pandemic. So looking forward to planning and booking shows um, and definitely making a trek out to the island as well. Sweet. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for thanks for talking with me. I'm going to stop recording now. Sweet. Uh...